This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast for Monday, October 21st, 2019, and we are going to be talking about Penn State's big win against the Michigan Wolverines. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. I'm a contributor to AthlonSports.com and NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. And there was a lot of Penn State coverage last week that I got a chance to contribute to. And I'm looking forward to more this week as Penn State looks to take their undefeated record on the road. We've got a big week ahead of you right here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're going to start with today's episode where we take our final look at the big win against the Michigan Wolverines. 28-21 Saturday night in Happy Valley, sending most of the fans home very happy. We'll talk about that in our first segment today. In our second segment, we'll take our usual look around the rest of the Big Ten to see what else happened. Wisconsin losing to Illinois. That was a shocker. And we'll also touch on a couple other notable events from around the top 25. And in our third and final segment today, we'll dig into the mailbag. we got a question to address from one fan who could send us a question on Twitter at Nittany. And I'll also share a couple final thoughts from the weekend that was and kind of starting to look ahead. We do new shows on this podcast every Monday through Friday. We'll try to get those posted for you as early as possible so they're available to you at any time during the day. You can subscribe in your favorite podcasting platform, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. We're on pretty much everything right now, so make sure you subscribe. And if you want to go a step further and help us support the show and continue to grow the show, you can leave your rating and a review. It does help with the placement on those various podcasting platforms, but it also gives us some great feedback from you guys to know what we're doing right and what we can do to improve the show moving forward. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Hop on over to Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany and give us a like there. And with all that out of the way, let's get into today's show. Facing their second straight top 25 opponent in as many weeks, Penn State was once again in for a good defensive battle. And they jumped on Michigan early, which was a big key that we discussed during the show last week. And the defense held on. It wasn't the best performance out of the Penn State defense, but sometimes you got to tip your cap to the opponent. So we're going to recap Penn State's 28-21 victory over the Wolverines in just a second. But before I continue on, I do want to issue an apology to our listeners and our subscribers and our fans and followers on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff for not having a show for you guys on Friday. As I said in the intro, we do like to have these shows for you Monday through Friday, and I do my best to get these shows posted scheduled-wise at midnight Eastern every day, so they're there for you all day long. Unfortunately, Friday's episode ran into some technical problems, some scheduling problems, and quite frankly, it just wasn't going to be uh, inadequate enough of an episode to kind of piece together something that I felt was worthy of sharing with you guys before the big game on Friday. So I know that not having a a podcast on Friday was probably not the best look for me and the podcast, but I do want to promise you that we're going to do our best to make sure that that doesn't happen again throughout the rest of the season. And hopefully the four other episodes we did do during the week were enough to satisfy your Penn State, Michigan dose of cravings for whatever you had going on for you last week. So I do apologize one last time for not having a show for you Friday. I know it's the biggest game of the year. You kind of want to have that last preview episode before the game. Unfortunately, it just wasn't going to happen, and I didn't want to put something out that was really a half effort just to get something out there. I do want to make sure that you're putting it, we're putting out uh, some of the better content that we possibly can. So I apologize. Let's move on. 
Uh, Penn State needed a fast start against Michigan. We talked about that on the shows last week, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I did feel like this is going to be a race to 20 points, and what do you know, Penn State won the race to 21 points by jumping out to a 21 nothing lead. You know, the defense certainly set the tone. Uh, the offense was making plays. Sean Clifford was dropping dimes to his receivers in that first half, including K.J. Hamler, who had the touchdown to go up 21-0. Uh, great pass to tight end Pat Fremuth, who uh, gave Penn State the, I guess it was a 7-0 lead in the beginning. And then Sean Clifford actually ran in for the second touchdown. Penn State was looking really good. Up 21-0 in the first half. Certainly looked like it was going to be a long night for Michigan. But you have to give credit to Michigan because they could have easily quit on that game and they didn't. And, and that to me, I think, does speak to how Jim Harbaugh and his staff are coaching their team. You know, obviously things have not gone quite according to plan for them this season. And they certainly got off on a rough start uh, against Penn State Saturday night. But, you know, defense coordinator Don Brown gathered his team. They started to gain their composure, kind of hung in there. They weathered the storm. We talked about this when Penn State went to Iowa. Weathering the storm early on was going to be very important for Penn State at Iowa. I think the same was the case for Michigan on the road in the whiteout crowd. And falling behind 21-0, I don't think qualifies as weathering the storm. But the fact that Michigan wasn't able to uh, you know, go away, I think, in this game was more of a testament to the kind of character that Michigan actually does have on their team. And let's, let's be honest, you know, calling their way back from that 21-0 hole almost all the way, uh, was uh, a positive sign if you're a Michigan fan, I think, moving forward. It may not uh, ease the pain of another road loss against a top 25 team, but you know, honestly, I, I felt like Michigan was going to be a team that wasn't going to be put away very easily, and they weren't. You know, th that style of offense was the kind of uh, grind that Penn State's defense was going to be challenged with, and that was certainly the case. After falling behind 21-0, Michigan started to uh, stay calm, start making some runs, start making some plays that they needed to get some drives moving. And getting a touchdown before halftime, I think, was huge for Michigan. And obviously, they come out in the second half and they, they dominate the, the game clock, the, the time of possession, and they're starting to get some confidence. And you got to say that K.J. Hamler came to the rescue. You know, obviously, 100 receiving yards. I don't think anything was more important for K.J. Hamler than his four-yard run at the end of the game. His 53-yard touchdown catch immediately after picking up a huge third down uh, from Sean Clifford as he's facing uh, a blitz package, that was clutch. But getting those four hard-earned runs on a third and three in the final minutes there to really help Penn State salt away the game for good, I think was probably more important. Because if Penn State doesn't get that first down at the end of the uh, or towards the end of that fourth quarter, Michigan's very likely to get the ball back. Uh, I don't know if they were going to have a timeout or not. I still think Harbaugh probably would have used that timeout to save as much clock as possible. That's what I probably would have done. But I do think that uh, Michigan had something going for them. And I know, you know, coming back after having that drop pass by Ronnie Bell in the end zone, that could have tied the game. You know, that's uh, that's the redemption opportunity that a lot of players dream of. <laughs> I, I guess not dream of. You don't want to dream of uh, having a big mistake like Ronnie Bell had with the drop pass and then getting a chance to make up for it. But honestly, the way that Michigan was playing, I don't think that that game was over. If Penn State has to punt that ball away, they could still be playing right now. I mean, that game could have very well have gone to overtime. So 
Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that Penn State was lucky to win this game, but they earned it. They they honestly did. You know, the defense uh, was tested. They got put out to the grind for really the first time all season. I know, you know, Pittsburgh gave them some problems at some points, but I felt like that was a grind that Penn State had to earn. And for the second straight week, they win a game against a top 25 team. They remain undefeated, as we saw a couple undefeated teams go down uh, this weekend, including uh, Wisconsin. But we'll talk about that a little bit more in the next segment. But Penn State continues to do what they needed to do. And that means they're in a really good position right now to enter a very interesting conversation in the weeks to come. Still a lot of work to do. There's no question about that. And I do think that the offense can still benefit from some uh, areas of improvement with their consistency. They certainly got the big plays when they needed them the most. But we saw Penn State's offense once once again kind of go stale a little bit. I don't know if it was taking the foot off the gas or it was really just Michigan making adjustments. And I think there there was probably more credit to Michigan's defense for coming back the way that they did. I think they were, you know, they were relentless. They brought some pressure on Sean Clifford, made him get rid of the football a little bit earlier than he probably did a number of times. And they kind of held the running game in check for the most part. So I think uh, Michigan's defense did a lot of things that a lot of teams aren't going to be able to do against Penn State. Obviously, we're going to have to come back to that a little bit later on this season, but you know, I think Penn State's offense continues to gain confidence as much as they may have uh, hit a wall a little bit against Michigan. But I still think Sean Clifford's gaining confidence. You know, KJ Hamler's still there to make some big plays. I still think the running game is going to be a strength moving forward. Don't see anything wrong with that. It was nice to see Ricky Slade break out with a big run early in the game. That certainly was refreshing to see. But Penn State's in a really good spot right now after their win against Michigan. So they're seven and zero overall. They move to 4-0 in Big Ten play, and they're going to take that on the road next week against Michigan State. All right, coming up in our next segment, we're going to take a look around the rest of the Big Ten, see what happened around the conference. There were a couple interesting developments that we're going to keep a close eye on, and we'll also touch on a couple quick hits from around the top 25. There was some, there was some good stuff that happened this weekend in college football outside of this game between Penn State and Michigan. We'll talk about that in our next segment. This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On Nittany and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. Penn State and Michigan may have been the spotlight game for the Big Ten this past weekend with the national televised broadcast and college game day in town and a couple top 25 teams vying for a, a chance to stay in the Big Ten East race moving forward. But there were some other interesting developments going on around the Big Ten. Now, the weekend schedule got started Friday night with Ohio State doing what Ohio State does, and that was blow out their opponent. This time, it was on the road against Northwestern. We all kind of saw this one coming. Northwestern's banged up. They are just not equipped talent-wise and depth-wise to go head-to-head with Ohio State, even though they got a running back Isaiah Bowser back in the lineup this weekend uh, in a more prominent role. It's still a big difference between Ohio State and Northwestern. Northwestern really is struggling right now. That continues to be the case for them this season. They're already looking at potentially not even making a bowl game this year, which is certainly uh, far below the the bar that Pat Fitzgerald has built there with Northwestern. Northwestern is now 1-5 overall. They're 0-4 in the Big Ten. You can probably say goodbye to any postseason bowl hopes right there. However, Ohio State, on the other hand of the spectrum, is uh, very much on cruise control right now, or so it seems. Uh, There's not a whole lot of flaws here with the Buckeyes. And I've said this a week in and week out, and I've said this from the start of the season. This is the team to beat. This is the team that everybody's going to be chasing. This is the team that you're going to set the bar against and to see if you can clear it. 
And now Penn State doesn't have to worry about Ohio State until much later in the season, the next to the last of the regular season game. So there's a lot of work to do between now and having to worry about Ohio State. But Ohio State looks like they are on a team, on a mission to get back to the college football playoff after missing out the last couple of years. This Ohio State team is very dangerous. Justin Fields, four touchdowns. You know, J.K. Dobbins once again shows why he's one of the best running backs in the country, not just the Big Ten. And the defense. I mean, I know that Northwestern doesn't really have a whole lot to go with with their offense, but that Ohio State defense is very, very good. <laughs> so that's why I think that Ohio State still is one of the best teams in the country. They left no doubt Friday night, as a team in that position should be doing. Uh, say what you will about the strength of schedule, but Ohio State's doing exactly what Ohio State needs to be doing. And they've got a big game coming up next weekend against Wisconsin. So let's talk about Wisconsin. What happened to Wisconsin? Wisconsin didn't put up a whole lot of points against Illinois. They were a 30-point favorite. They only scored 23 points. But you still figured 23 points should be enough for Wisconsin to win this game against the Illini. But as we sort of saw last week when Illinois made a little bit of a second-half push against Michigan, there's some potential there for Illinois to kind of hang around and make things interesting. Now, last week against Michigan, they came back and made it a game going into the fourth quarter, but Michigan pulled away in the fourth quarter with the big plays and really kind of uh, put their foot down on the Illini. Wisconsin wasn't able to do that, and they cost them. Illinois comes back. They only had a touchdown at halftime, but they scored 17 points in the second half. 10 in the fourth quarter as they come back, take advantage of a turnover by a Jack Hone, an interception late in the game, sets up a game-winning field goal as time expires, and Illinois improves the 3-4 and four overall, picking up a, their first win in Big Ten play this season. They're now 1-3. and three. Still don't think that Illinois is going to get into a postseason bowl game, but it is now a, a, an official reality that can be accomplished. Uh, that was a big game for Illinois. Uh, Wisconsin, this is going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to really hurt their standing in the playoff picture for a lot of people right now. But here's the reality. Uh, they're 6-1 and one overall. They're going to get Ohio State this week. It's not a great situation to be in for Wisconsin because going to Columbus and taking on that Ohio State team is not a good draw. Uh, I, and I feel like even after a loss, it doesn't matter. I don't think there's much a chance to get a rebound win here for the Badgers. So I think Wisconsin could very realistically be looking at their second loss. But if they do beat Ohio State, they're certainly still on that playoff radar. They just have the, the one bad loss that no playoff contender wants to have. So... Obviously, we'll see what happens with, 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 yeah, with Wisconsin moving forward, but that was a stunning loss. And of course, at number six, that does help Penn State in the rankings. If you, if you care about that, as we're recording this, uh, the coaches poll has come out and Penn State has moved up to number six in the ranking, up one spot because Wisconsin falls from uh, number six all the way down to number 13. Uh, the AP poll has not been released as I'm recording this, but I would expect something very similar. So Wisconsin still on the playoff radar, still has an uphill battle at this point because things don't look good for them right now. Uh, so that was, a, that was a tough loss for Wisconsin. And that opens up the door in the Big Ten West for those Minnesota Golden Golfers who Penn State has coming up in a couple games. Uh, Minnesota taking care of business on the road against Rutgers. Everybody beats Rutgers. 42-7 to the final score. Minnesota leaving no doubt. Uh, they, they were actually kind of slow going for a while. They slowly built a 21-0 lead going into the fourth quarter and then just easily put the game away if, as if it wasn't already. 21 points in the fourth quarter. Minnesota now 7-0 overall. 4-0 in the Big Ten. 
Uh, they are climbing the rankings slowly but surely. Minnesota moves up to number 16 after bump, being bumped up four spots uh, among some uh, poll shifting in the coaches poll this week. So, got to watch out for those Gophers. We're going to talk about the game, that game a lot uh, next week because that's where Penn State's going to be playing next. But this is a this is a Minnesota team that is gaining more and more confidence. Uh, you know, they have been scoring a lot of points. The offense has been looking pretty fun. If you haven't had a chance to watch Minnesota, uh, do yourself a favor because this Minnesota team's pretty fun. PJ Fleck has something good going with Minnesota. Are they good enough to really take down a team like Wisconsin or Penn State or um, you know, Ohio State? Probably not. However, uh, there's uh, something to be said about a team with a lot, as much confidence as this team has and you know, playing at home as they're going to be doing the next couple games against Maryland and coming up this week. And then of course, against Penn state, uh, this Maryland, this Minnesota team could be dangerous. And right now they are sitting in the driver's seat in the big 10 West. Again, I still think, still think Minnesota is going to take some hits here because I do think some of these other teams are going to be clearly better overall, but uh, I would not sleep on the Gophers playing for a big 10 title at the very least. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, a couple quick hits. Iowa finally gets back in the win column. Uh, they have to hold on to beat Purdue 26-20. to It uh, felt good for Iowa to finally get back uh, home and playing some offensive football against a team that doesn't quite play the same kind of caliber defense that Michigan and Penn State offer. So that was uh, that was good for Purdue. Finally get back in the win column. And, and with the Wisconsin loss, Iowa is now back in the thick of things for that Big Ten West division. I know they have two losses in conference play, but they're still going to get Wisconsin. They're still going to get Minnesota. They're still going to get Nebraska moving forward. So Iowa still uh, very much in the race in that Big Ten West. Uh, And of course, the the win also will keep them in the polls too. It's always good to have, if you're a Penn State fan, it's always good to see some of your previous opponents ranked in the top 25 because you figure that that bodes well for your strength of schedule. And I think the fact that Iowa will hang around there and Michigan's hanging around the top 25, uh, that, that bodes well moving forward as far as the polls are concerned. And one final game in the Big Ten this weekend. We had Indiana going on the road, taking care of Maryland. Maryland has now dropped to 1-3 in the Big Ten. Their only win is against Rutgers. Everybody beats Rutgers. Uh, Indiana now one win shy of postseason eligibility, and I think they're going to get it. So things are looking pretty decent for Indiana. Indiana is always one of those scary programs. You can never take them too lightly. They are capable of doing something uh, in almost any game that they play, it's just a matter of fact of that they don't quite have the defense to really finish off some of their uh, more prominent upsets, upset potentials. So around the top 25, the big story is probably going to be Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa leaving ten- the Saturday night's game against Tennessee with an ankle injury. Nick Saban says he's going to be out a week or two, and Tagovailoa says that he is going to be back for the LSU game coming up in a few weeks. Uh, I don't think Alabama's going to have any problem next week against Arkansas without them. Uh, they do get a bye week. So Alabama's still going to be in pretty decent shape moving forward, I, it looks like. Uh, LSU uh, taking care of Joe Moorhead and uh, Mississippi State on the road. Number two LSU uh, easily, easily taking care of Mississippi, Mississippi State, 36-13. to 13. LSU looks really good, guys. <laughs> I've been saying that a lot lately. But LSU just looks like a completely different animal right now. Can they beat Alabama? That's going to be the big question. We'll find out in a couple weeks. Uh, Clemson, shaky start, but certainly has the defense. They take care of things on the road as well uh, against uh, Louisville, 45-10. to 10. I still think Louisville's in good hands with Scott Satterfield. I think there's a lot of positives there. They're just clearly not on the same level as Clemson. But then again, who is in the ACC? And good luck trying to figure out that ACC Coastal Division because <laughs> that just continues to be uh, a weird, bizarre division. 
Georgia Tech finally getting a win against Miami. Uh, Virginia is actually in a pretty decent spot with a head-to-head victory against Pittsburgh in the season opener. Uh, so they kind of uh, had the leg up in that division, but that's still a topsy-turvy division uh, to keep an eye on. In that SEC East, uh, Florida does avoid losing at South Carolina a week after the Gamecocks took care of Georgia. And Georgia was scoreless with Kentucky into the third quarter. They do go on to win 21-0, but you know that Georgia team looks pretty vulnerable right now. Uh, Florida is probably the best team in that SEC East. So Auburn took care of things on the road against Arkansas. Oregon in the Pac-12 uh, was a 35-31 victory uh, victor against Washington. Watch out for Oregon. They're, they are the team to watch, I think, in the Pac-12 as far as the college football playoff is concerned. Still a lot of uh, things in motion there for the Ducks. Uh, Utah is also a one-loss team after their victory against Arizona State. Uh, possibility of a one-loss Oregon versus one-loss Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Very much in play right now. And that should be pretty interesting to keep an eye on as we move forward into the playoff ranking part of the season coming up in a few weeks. One more undefeated team lost this this weekend. It was Boise State, number 14, dropping on the road to BYU. That kind of opens up things a little bit more in that group of five race, if you're paying attention to that. But uh, yeah, Boise State, very much still uh, a player in that conversation as the Mountain West Conference champion favorite, probably still. Uh, but you know, things are going to be pretty interesting. That American Athletic Conference, guys, uh, that's a pretty fun conference. And an opponent from last year's Penn State schedule, Appalachian State, they're off to a 6-0 start. It's the first time a Sun Belt team that was ranked in the top 25 recorded a victory. So kudos to Appalachian State, uh, who was 24 coming into last week. They've moved up a couple spots in the coaches poll to number 22. Appalachian State as a group of five uh, New Year's Six participant. We'll see. We're going to get a better sense of all this stuff once the college football playoff rankings start coming out in a couple weeks. So... For right now, it was a good, fun week of college football. We had Virginia Tech and North Carolina playing six overtimes. We had Texas clipping Kansas in a wild shootout with a last-second field goal. And of course, we had the Penn State-Michigan game and Oregon-Washington game. So it was a fun week of college football. Lots of stuff to pay attention to, and that's why we try to keep you plugged in on what else is happening around the world of college football. This is the Locked On Nittany Alliance podcast. Coming up in our third segment, we've got a mailbag question to address, and I'll share some final thoughts from this Penn State-Michigan game and start to turn the page to Penn State and Michigan State. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Submit your mailbag questions now, and we'll address them in a future episode. Guys, erectile dysfunction used to be a tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Feels like it's been a little while since we dug into our mailbag, so let's do that right now. You can submit your questions to, for a mailbag segment anytime on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Send us your questions. We always check the mentions before we hit the record button on these episodes. And if we have any questions to insert into a mailbag segment, we absolutely will. Today's question comes from Jared Sports Riff, who wants to know, will Coach Franklin ever be a good game manager? Running out the clock the last two weeks isn't enough. All right, well, he has another part of the question, but we're going to address that first one first. And I'm going to say no. I, I think James Franklin, as a game manager, at this point in his career, he is exactly the kind of coach that you see right now. He may be reluctant to call timeouts when a lot of people want him to call timeouts. Uh, he may choose to keep the ball in the on the ground, try to work some clock when it feels like you probably need a couple more drives. 
you know what? I don't know necessarily how you change a coach's philosophy. I think James Franklin does a lot of really good things as a head coach. And I think doling out some of the responsibilities to his assistant staff certainly helps. But you know, at the bottom, at the end of the day, he's the one who's sending the message of what they want to do uh, in the game. And, you know, some coaches just uh, don't use timeouts the way that fans do. And I know sometimes it has hurt Penn State. Sometimes I think it gets a little bit overblown. Now, I think uh, a lot of people are concerned with the, the play calling uh, coming into the, or coming out of this Michigan game as a kind of a warning sign of things to come against teams like Ohio State down the line. And it's nothing we haven't seen before. Penn State had a double digit lead in the fourth quarter and, or I'm sorry. Yeah, in the fourth quarter. And they're not quite being as aggressive or it doesn't seem like they're being as aggressive with the play calling to kind of keep the pressure on, keep the offense moving, making some big plays happen. But I look at that game. Saturday night, and I really do think that a lot of the reason that Penn State's offense wasn't as effective uh, consistently was really attributed to how Michigan was playing defensively. I don't think Michigan's defense gave up. And I said all along, this Michigan defense is good enough to keep this game within reach. And I think even after they got out of the the, the gates going down 21 nothing in the second quarter, I, I really didn't think that Michigan's defense was going to give up a whole lot more. Certainly, it seems that way, but as we've seen throughout college football's history, and not just with Penn State, it is hard to keep the foot on the gas pedal and make all those big plays consistently for four quarters against a team that can play good defense. And say what you will about Michigan's offense, this defense is legitimate. <laughs> this is a very good Michigan defense, and uh, I don't think uh, the, the 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 lack of productivity and consistency from Penn State's offense is in total blame on the head coach, James Franklin. I do think that it would have been nice if Penn State was able to convert some big plays, but you know what? They just weren't connecting. I think Sean Clifford uh, had to get rid of the football a little bit earlier at times, and he wasn't able to get in sync with his receivers because he was being brought under pressure. Now, maybe I'll feel differently if I go back and watch the game again, but that, that was the impression that I had. I don't think it's all on James Franklin and the play calling and the game management. I thought it was just fine. In fact, I think Jim Harbaugh and Michigan probably had a couple extra concerns. You know, kicking a 58-yard field goal at the end of the first half uh, seems unwise to me. Uh, the decision to not be aggressive on the opening drive of the game and go for it on a fourth and one in, just in Penn State territory, I think backfired because Michigan ends up punting the ball and it trickles into the end zone. So, you know, I, I don't know what you can do about a head coach and their game management. I think at some point, uh, especially for a coach that has been doing this for as long as James Franklin has, I, I don't think you can necessarily change the way they approach the game and how they're going to use their timeouts and how they're going to call the offense and, and hope that they, uh, the, and hope for things to work out. I just feel like James Franklin is a good coach. He may have his flaws. <laughs> There's no question about that. But a lot of coaches are good coaches and have one particular flaw. I think game management for James Franklin is something to question, but I don't think it's going to be something that ultimately hurts them the way that a lot of people seem to think that it may. The second part of Jared's question is actually, will we see more of Noah Kane? Yeah, I do think we will see that. I do still think it's going to be a little bit of a running back by committee. And again, I think you got to give credit to Michigan's defense here. I don't think that they were going to allow any running back to really explode on them. Uh, the way that Saquon Barkley did a couple years ago. Uh, and I do think that Noah Kane is still going to be a prominent feature of this Penn State offense moving forward. There's still a lot of talent there, and we've seen the production that he's capable of bringing. So I know he didn't have uh, he didn't have quite the same production against Michigan, but he's still going to be a guy that I think they, they trust 
to hand the ball off to in key downs, get some yardage when they need it the most. And he's still going to be uh, very much a, a part of this Penn State offense. Obviously, uh, there are not a whole lot of teams that are going to play defense the way that Michigan does the rest of the year. You know, we'll see what Michigan State is capable of doing. Obviously, we'll see what happens against Ohio State down the year. But uh, I still think you're going to see plenty of Noah Kane in the last month and a half of the season that we have left. Okay, so you can always send in your mailbag questions and we'll address them in a future episode so you can connect with us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. A couple final thoughts from this Michigan game. I thought Penn State has continued to do everything they need to do to put themselves in this conversation. And one of the things I'm wondering now is just how good this Penn State team is. And we're probably going to spend an episode this week to kind of digging into that a little bit more. But here's my general reaction at this point in time. I don't think they're in the elite tier with teams like Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and I'll throw Clemson in there as well right now. But I also don't think they're in the next group down that would include teams like Georgia and Florida, Notre Dame, Oregon. I feel like Penn State as an undefeated team is probably uh, just a a couple hairs below those upper echelon teams right now where they they don't quite have the same kind of offense that a lot of those teams have. I know Clemson's been having some inconsistencies of their own offense, but Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma, they just feel like a different animal right now. But at the same time, Penn State is undefeated, and these other teams like Georgia and Oregon, they've taken their hits. Uh, and uh, I, I just feel like they deserve to be in their own little category right now. So they're kind of like the, the transition team between the good and the great teams that are out there right now. Uh, and I think they are going to be able to be put in a position where they're going to be able to prove whether or not they do belong in that upper tier. Again, it all comes back to what Penn State ultimately does against Ohio State later on. But there's still games that need to be taken care of right now. So after back-to-back wins against top 25 teams for the first time since, what, 2005, now Penn State has to go on the road and finish up this little three-game gauntlet against Iowa, Michigan, and Michigan State by taking care of some demons against the Spartans. Michigan State has caused some really frustrating moments for Penn State the last couple of years with a, a game-winning field goal in East Lansing two years ago, uh, a, a miracle touchdown last year in Beaver Stadium. This is a team that Penn State needs to get off their back right now. And I think, once again, the story's going to be they need to get out in front. They cannot play a, a sloppy game against Michigan State on the road. This is a team that has caused so many frustrating moments for James Franklin and Penn State the last couple of years and have really kind of stood in the way of accomplishing some bigger goals for Penn State the last couple of years, ultimately. So this is a big game for Penn State coming up against Michigan State. This is a game that I think should have been circled on the calendar from the start of the season, just given the recent history and the fact that this is a t- going on the road in this kind of environment. It's not always particularly easy for Penn State. So I, I do feel pretty confident that Penn State does get another win here. But again, they're going to have to earn it, and it's going to be another battle, I think. you know, Michigan State has been sluggish all season long. We'll talk about that a little bit more in tomorrow's episode. But I think Penn State's uh, in a pretty good spot right now where they're gaining confidence. Now they got to go back on the road and win another hard-fought game to keep some big things still on the table moving forward. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. We have a lot of stuff to get into this week as Penn State goes on the road in Big Ten play to take on Michigan State. So coming up in tomorrow's episode, we'll take our first look at Michigan State. Take a look at what has happened for them this season. What's going right? What's going wrong? We'll take a look at some of the key players that Michigan State brings to the table. And of course, we'll reflect on some of the recent encounters 
between the Nittany Lions and the Spartans. It's going to be a fun episode. We've got a lot of stuff to look forward to this week. Got a couple crossovers in the mix with our Locked On Michigan State podcast partners over there on the Locked On Podcast Network. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming up your way this week on the podcast. Make sure you stay connected with the podcast on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. You can give us a like on Facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. And, of course, you can subscribe to these podcasts and get these new shows for you delivered right to your favorite podcasting platform, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. We're on iHeartRadio. Subscribe, rate, and review. Your feedback actually does help us with the placement on those various podcasting platforms, so you can help us grow the show moving forward as things continue to go well for Penn State. And it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about these Nittany Lions in the weeks to come. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. I share all my work through AthonSports.com and NBCSports.com, as well as NittanyLionsDen.com and everything else I've got going on right on my Twitter feed at KevinOnCFB. We can always engage in some college football and some Penn State talk there as well. So a lot of stuff happening on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. You can check out the new Locked On Big Ten Podcast. We've got a Locked On Michigan State Podcast if you want to get a taste of the Spartans from that angle. And we got an Ohio State podcast that's going to be launching too. So that's good timing because there's a lot of stuff to be talking about within this division and within this conference. So check them all out on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Hope you guys have a great Monday. Let's get this week started on the right foot. And it always helps when Penn State is off to a 7-0 start. All right, guys, I'm Kevin. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.